Brothers and for the first time guests, welcome. My name is Dan, senior leader here, along with my wife, along with an incredible team. And just in the way of culture, just to want to let you in on this piece, we, we really believe in the plurality of equipping from this pulpit because how many of you know there's a different grace given from Jesus to a multiplicity of individuals? And when we hear from those different angles, if you will, it shapes us, it molds us, it grows us. And we've been looking over the concept of build in the last month, and we kind of stared into identity a little bit. We took a look into um, what that was all about. Julie started it off where she said, hey, the answer to the question, who is Jesus, is super important to us. Because when we discover who Jesus is, we discover who we are. And that's massively important because he said that this was actually our calling in life was to manifest him. He said, I'm the light of the world. But then he turned around and said, that's only as long as I'm with you. And then when I go, you're now the light of the world. You carry the revelation of who I am on the inside of you and you give this away to the world. And then Andy, who was a guest speaker from Texas, used to be a part of our community. He talked about how Jesus was king. And how he was Lord over everything, and that should give us confidence to step into the dark places. Because he's overcome it all. That's what he did on the cross. And then we saw, next week I followed up with the whole thought on the process of how we're being made. It's not a one-time instant reality. It's It's a process of being made into these expressions of Christ in the world. And then Samuel wrapped us up last week by giving us a beautiful perspective that unless God builds, brings us back to that place of simplicity and rest where we're not striving, we're, 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 just, we're just enjoying the journey with God. Not, not, not giving any effort, but just not giving our own self-effort. It's in cooperation with what God is doing already, right? So today we're going we're gonna to continue along this theme, but we're going we're gonna to shift gears a little bit because... I really, I really want us to focus this month specifically, and it's the reason that we looked at this video and we'll see some other powerful testimonies, on building other people. We, we need to be built ourselves. But how many of you know that's an ongoing process, and, and, and so we always need to be giving away as we're receiving. Amen. That's a really healthy thing. It's, it's, it's never just me, 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 receive, receive, receive. This is a gathering point this morning where we are receiving, but we're being empowered and equipped, encouraged, filled with hope to go give something away to the world. Amen? And so we're going to shift into that focus today, giving to other people, building other people. And, and we're going to look at a really simple concept, and then we're going to take communion together as we wrap up our Sunday And it's going to be called what I titled The Power of a Name. The Power of Someone's Name. Now, we saw in the video that there's these prisoners, and prisoners, these inmates, are identified not by their name, but by a number. Now, practically, I know that in these systems, to execute more efficient management over the multitudes of inmates, they assign numbers versus a name. But I want you to think about something. Culturally, in terms of prison systems, culturally speaking, it really is a form of dehumanization. 
Now, I'm not just talking about prison systems. I'm talking about those imprisoned in the world. Because the machine of the world wants to run the multitudes through an ungodly culture. And we're called to shift that by going into these kind of systems like we saw in the movie and giving something away that has hope, life, and the love of God. But being known by a number instead of a name is dehumanizing. It demands conformity. It suppresses cultural and personal individuality. How many of you know the kingdom of God has nothing to do with any of those things that I just described? He's all about bringing life and value to humanity. He's never demanding conformity. In fact, he, he has made each and every one of us special and unique by his design. He loves the cultures of the earth. He loves personal individuality in Christ as we're brought together in one big family. I was looking into this experiment that was done in 1971. I want to I I share it with you because I was thinking about things even in the context of the last week in our nation where I, I felt very troubled on the inside. I felt very concerned for where our country is going. Hope-filled because I carry the light of Christ along with you, friends, that are called to change what we're maybe seeing take place. But in this experiment, it was done in 1971, it was called the Stanford Prison Experiment, and the goal was to see what happens to good people when they're put in a bad environment. Now, I need to define good people. They, they were, good people was someone who hadn't committed a crime, because they were going to, they were going to do a, a, a mock uh, enactment of, of a prison system, where 24 students, half of them would become prison guards, and the other half would become the inmates. And um, what was supposed to last for two weeks, only two weeks, had to be shut down after six days because of the degeneration and breakdown in the human psyche or the soul that was taking place in a good majority of the students. It was fascinating to read about this, but it was, I was saddened tremendously as well because death began to manifest in the midst of these quote-unquote good people. With what we're dealing with in the world right now and in culture, we can't just be good people. Because good people will be overcome by what, what, what the enemy is trying to bring upon the earth right now. In fact, Jesus, remember when, when they were asking him, they, they told him that he was a good teacher, and he said, why do you call me good? Only the Father is good. You see, there's one standard for goodness, and it's perfection. It's the perfection of the Father who carries within him no darkness whatsoever. And it was by grace that Jesus walked on the earth a perfect life. And then he said to us, hey, it's possible for you, by my divine enablement, to do the same. And that's not where we put trust in our own goodness, but we put trust in the goodness of Jesus. And out of that trust and his enablement, we begin to go and change the world. I love that God's response to a dying world was giving 
his son. Look with me in John chapter 1, verse 4. Put this up. It says this. I love this verse. Passion version. It says, life came into being because of him. For his life is light to all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom. The light that darkness could not diminish. Oh, I love that. Because there's nothing that the enemy can try to bring upon the earth that we as the ones who carry this same light and are called to give it away. There's nothing that can stop us from bringing transformation to the world. You see, giving to others out of the place of secured identity as worshipers is key to transforming culture. It's why we're so big on these things. It's why we're so big on identity. It's why we're so so big on becoming these worshipers that the eyes of the Lord are roaming across the entire earth, looking for whose hearts are truly his, because it's the key to transforming culture. Now, Paul said it very simply, and this is where we're going to focus on for the remaining few minutes that we have this morning. He says this, he says, the whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbors as you love yourselves. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give us like one practical application before we leave on this good first Sunday for us to go and apply into the worlds that we live in. And I'm going to set the bar so low that you can't even crawl under it. Now, here's the thing. I'm a, I'm a change the world kind of guy, but I'm, I'm feeling right now very strongly in my spirit because, you know, there's a lot of talk like, we're going to change the world. We're going to do this, blah, blah. We all have opinions. We're expressing them on social media. And I'm just like, let's stop talking and let's just start doing something. Something, just something. One thing. And so I'm going to set the bar so low, you can't even crawl under it. And you'd have to step over it to get past it. And here's the bar that everybody today is going to be responsible to be doers of what they're hearing. And it's this. And I'm going, to ask, I'm, going to, I'm going to give the example of asking a question. Do you know the names of the eight neighbors that live to the first house to your right, to the second house to your right, to the first house to your left, and the second house to your left, and the four houses across the street? Do you know their names? And the reason I ask that question is because you cannot love somebody unless you first know their name. And I think that we should begin to know the names of many people, our co-workers, the people that we bump into in the grocery store. The first thing we should ask them, hey, what's your name? Tell me a little bit of your story. Begin to express the love of God by taking some time out and asking somebody their name. Instead of arguing on Facebook, ask someone their name, even though you can see it on their profile. Can I get an amen? Because unless we know someone's names and their story and their journey and where they're coming from, 
we can never begin to love them. So Darren, you're giving us this goal because I want you to draw a map. Maybe it's not, your, your neighborhood is not laid out like that. Maybe you're in an apartment building. Maybe you live on a cul-de-sac. I don't know your scenario. But my, my challenge is I want you to begin to know the names of your eight neighbors. And I don't want you next week going and giving him the four spiritual laws of salvation. There's no agenda in this. I want you to begin to love them and begin to get to know their story. So Darren, what's the big deal about a name? Did you know that a name gives someone or something We were on this, this trip, it was our golden anniversary on the 28th of September, we, had, we celebrated 28 years, and we realized, wow, this is the only time in our entire marriage that we're going to have a moment like this. We're tired of hum- humidity and warm, let's go somewhere cool. <laughs> so we took, took some time and we went up to the northeast and, and it was really good, and, and, I, and, and it took me, you know, you know how it is, I don't know if anybody's wired this way, but I'm high strung and... I mean, it, first three days are just me unwinding. And then I'm kind of at rest, and then I get bored, I get fidgety. I'm like, Wendy, i got to do something. But then as I, as I settle in, my heart gets very tender. And it's like a setup from the Lord. It's like a setup. So we're, we're at the end of our time. I'm completely unraveled, settled, and tender. And we end up watching the documentary on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Don't try that at home. You got to go into that one with a little bit of a hardened heart if you're going to make it through. And this is crazy because I didn't even like Mr. Rogers as a kid. I'm exposing my age. I turned 50 this month. I'm not ashamed to say that because people said we looked way, way younger on our vacation. Thank the Lord. Praise God. But I grew up on Mr. Rogers, and I didn't like it, man. Those puppets were scary. I didn't think his outfits were cool. You know, I didn't like any of it, you know, the whole thing. But, but when I watched this documentary, I was like, my God, this guy was way ahead of his time. He, he was a prophet that saw things going on in the world as it related to television and media and how those things, those, those, those mediums were affecting the lives of a generation in a negative way. And he had a great passion out of simplicity to bring a message of hope to these kids and have very, very difficult, difficult conversations with children about difficult things, death and, and this, that, and the other. And it was, it was, it was a beautiful, well-done documentary. And me and Wendy are just, you know, booing the, the whole thing. Very powerful. But they asked him this question. They said, Mr. Rogers, what are you meaning when you ask in that song, won't you be my neighbor? And we need to ask the same question. What are we talking about when we're saying that it's time for us to get out of our comfort zones and go love some other people. He said this, he says, well, I guess it's an invitation for someone to be close to you. The greatest thing we can do is to let someone know they are lovable and able to love. 
Did you know that, and this is a quote, I don't know who said it, but they said, a person's name is the sweetest sound in any language simply because it affirms a person's worth. You know, science has proven this. Did you know that hearing one's own name activates the the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is responsible for the process that makes you yourself. Did you know that? Hearing your name activates a part of the brain that makes you you. It makes your emotions, your perspective, it it begins to form your belief systems, your identity, and ultimately your personality. And what was amazing as I looked into this, this process, these processes, they run on an autopilot state. It's, it's not, in other words, it's not something we're actively controlling. It's not like we're going, I need someone to say my name today. But right when you hear your name, Grant, Dean, Samuel, Grant, 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 Fred, you know, when you say someone's name, There's something very powerful about that. You know, the name on the back of your jersey, the name on a a scoreboard, the name under music lyrics. I mean, there's something very powerful about someone's name. I want you to look at this. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, when I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for for I saw things like a child. Now look, he's, he's being formed. In the spirit, I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. Oh, this is amazing. And you you got to hear this because we're responsible for hearing this. He said, but the day came when I matured. Pause. Take that down. Did you know that the, the goal of Jesus with his church is to bring her into maturity? in the knowledge of the Son of God and in unity around that knowledge, manifesting his love. This is his mission. And it says that equipping will continue through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They're coming to find you until we reach this realm and level of maturity. It's why it's not rhetoric. This is real. So he, as a leader in the body of Christ, came and matured, and he set aside his childish ways. How many of you know it's time for us to move past our brokenness, move past our own dysfunction, move past anything that that holds us back, and move into life and victory in Jesus? It's the ultimate goal for every single human being. And it's not reserved for another day in heaven. It's reserved for now. It's reserved for now. It's the kingdom of God working in us now. But look what he says in verse 12. He says, for now we see. But a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. You see, the study on someone's name being said, it concluded that hearing our name is considered what's called a self, self-representational self behavior. 
In other words, it's the same similarity as a child learning to recognize its own image in a mirror. It's the same thing. And Paul says the word is like this. We see in this faint reflection, but we're, we're looking in, in, in a mirror. We're beholding something. The word of God is, is trying to reveal something to who we are, to the essence of who we actually are. And look how he concludes this. He says, my understanding is complete now, but he said already that he had reached it. So he's just telling this was the process. But he said, one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. So think about this. If we want to make a difference in the world, we need to be that mirror, if you will, in front of those people as we've experienced whatever measure of change and ask them their name and begin to understand their story. And then insert as, I mean, it should be actually a long time later after hearing, 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 hearing. Insert, as questions come our way, leaven of truth into the midst of the beautiful, vulnerable places in the heart that they're sharing with us. Tell them I'm busy and I'm preaching the message right now. We're going to actually, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion. Because, you see, I'm not sure if we understand fully ourselves, and we, we're on a journey of this, but fully ourselves, the beautiful way the Father looks at us, thinks of us, is moved by us, how he is he is so intentional because of the work that Christ has done about pursuing us to the place where, where transformation power begins to invade our hearts and, and that we really, really have value on this earth. And we really, our lives really matter. They really make a difference. And so does everybody else. Because some, some, some of you may say, well, Darren, I don't know if that really applies to me. I, I want to sh- say something to you. And as you're taking the communion, please stay focused because this is, this is really powerful as I, as I conclude what I'm saying this morning. I was thinking about stars because Samuel actually mentioned this in his message last week. Hey, if you want to know about family, look up at the stars, right? Did you know that there are 200 billion Stars in our solar system alone, meaning the stars that that are accompanied with the the planets that are revolving around our sun, 200 billion. Did you know that scientists have estimated that there may be tens of of billions of solar systems in our Milky Way galaxy. So 200 billion in our solar system, and then there's tens of billions. Even if they were off by 5 billion, that's still a lot of stars. They have this, anybody heard of the Hubble Telescope? 
unless you're a conspiracy theory and you think that all that's... <clears throat> it, the Hubble telescope took an image... I've got to actually pause right now. <laughs> we were on this trip, we were on a cruise, and, and uh, we had a comedian and, and he was family friendly thank God for family friendly comedians because man some of the other stuff was funny but man it is vulgar right? Is, and this guy nothing it was awesome but he was talking about black holes and he said that um, black holes are there because there's actually nothing in that place and you actually can't see it and so he was saying how could you know it was a black hole when you can't even see it because it actually cannot be seen it doesn't exist it was, it was just, it was hilarious, wasn't it, what he was teaching on that. But, but the Hubble deep field image revealed the potential existence of 100 billion galaxies. So 200 billion stars in the solar system, tens of billions of solar systems in our galaxy, and the potential of 100 billion galaxies that they could see. Now look at this, Psalm 147. It says this, he sets the stars in place, calling them all by their names. Now, please hear me because there's proper context of this. God loves his creation. There's value in his creation. And that's why he names the stars. He named the animals. He names the planets. Because there's value. But he didn't send his son to die for those things. He sent his son to die for those created in his image. And in his likeness. And all of creation, I don't even know if we can grasp this, but all of creation, all those stars, all those planets, all of the oceans on our planet, all of the trees on our planet, they're moved right now. They're crying out right now. They're in travail for one thing, the revelation of the sun of God to arise in their identity. To know their value. To know their worth. To know that they were meant to die, to die for. That Jesus was going to come and give his life for us. I want to feel that, Lord. I want to feel that deeply this morning. I want to feel the tremble of creation itself, the longing of creation for its own redemption to come by us finding ours and not a 2% remnant of those that visit a church on a Sunday morning, but God, the entire world being presented this beautiful, wonderful gift 
that we could be restored to our original intent and all that dysfunction, all that brokenness could be swept away. We were moving some years ago from Coal Springs out west to the east. And when we were moving, there was a guy that came in from out of town, very prophetic guy we heard. We didn't know much about him. And he was having a meeting in West Palm Beach, and we couldn't go because it was exactly the the same day when we were moving all of our stuff. And my wife, she said, it's okay. It's okay that we're not there. Because, you know, a lot of times you want to go to those meetings because you're hungry and you want something for you. You ever been in a prophetic time and meeting that you know that person's very accurate? You're kind of like, you're trying not to act like it, but you're like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Just call my name. Come on. Charismatic truth-telling this morning. Amen? People clamoring. You're kind of like, you know, looking at the man of woman of God on the stage like, hey, something for me. And we were kind of bummed that we couldn't go. And my wife was like, it's okay. She, she, she said to me, being prophetic herself, she goes, They're gonna, something's going to be said about us tonight, even though we're not there. I was like, what? I've never heard of that before. I've been to some meetings, but never heard of anything like that. So I think, Grant, I don't know if you were in that, that group. There was a group of harborites that went up to this meeting. They were all kind of sitting in, a, in an area. And it was like a tractor beam for this guy. Just like, you guys, I don't know what's going on with you guys. There's something with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, he gave words to eight out of the ten of the people that went. So then, these guys are at this meeting. I'm looking at my phone, and I'm getting texts from one of the guys that was with them. And, 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 and they said, uh, what's Wendy's middle name? I said, Catherine. And then he said, how old is she? And I I said at the time how old she was, and, and then, then it was like, OMG, what's her maiden name? And I said, Derek. Because the guy said, you guys need to remember this, but Wendy Catherine Derek, there's something very special that's happening in her life in this season. And I think it was a fall season. I, don't, I can't remember the exact time of year that this was, but why am I telling you that story her maiden name was so important because my wife for many years felt like, well, the call of God is reserved for Darren and not for me. So that was her story. Your story could be the same, but in a different way. Like, well, what you're talking about, Darren, it's it's for so-and-so, but it, it can't really be for me. No, he not only knows your name, he knows the exact number of hairs on the top of it's like that intimate, that precise. So for her, she needed to hear, I knew you before you knew Darren. Because I had something for you. A lot of times we get absolved in the culture. We get absolved around big personalities. We get absolved in our own insecurities into other things. And it diminishes tries to diminish who we are. But today, we had a body that was broken so that we could all be fully us. Then then when you're unified, when you're fully you, 
and you're unified with the family and with your spouse and with friends, oh, that's when it starts getting powerful. Because an, an awakening came to my wife's heart not long after. Something, something unlocked something on the inside of her just by hearing her name. This holy moment, Lord. Where we remember your gift to a world filled with death. A gift that lived a life as a man. Watching you as father. A life of perfection life of power. We've now inherited that life by faith. And if you don't know him today, I, I want to encourage you, as you take of these elements, I want you to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in the gift that you gave the world that we might have. So we take of that broken water. And we drink of that precious blood. And we remember. We remember. We remember. And we allow our hearts to be stirred by faith in this moment. For what transpired 2,000 years ago is still moving today. Despite what we see in the world, despite what at times we see in our own hearts, Lord, you are still moving today. Look at this as we close. Paul said this. He said, the one... 1 Thessalonians 5, the one who calls you by name is trustworthy and will thoroughly complete his work in you. Lord, thank you that you are trustworthy, that we can trust you. That is the foundation for any relationship. Lord, there's not a lot of trust in the world right now. There's not a lot of trust in our government. There's not a lot of trust in relationships. But we trust you. We ask for the trustworthiness of the Father to come and invade our hearts this morning. We ask for the trustworthiness of the one who will thoroughly complete his work in his people to come and manifest in us today, God. Come and have your way. In Jesus' name. Listen, as our ministry teams come, if you're here today, maybe something resonated in this message. I want to just encourage you to take opportunity in this moment. You know, these are moments, that's all they are, but they're moments that are important. Come and receive prayer. If you've got stuff going on in your body, stuff going on in your soul, let us pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, like I said earlier, let us minister to you. There's power as we come into agreement with other people here at the front. Small groups are rolling. Jump into a small group. Find one online. Give that leader a call. Maybe the group might be full. If not, they'll help refer you to another group. Let's get involved. Let's gather here out of the groups where we can have deeper, more intimate conversations. Amen? Listen, God bless you guys as you go. Come and receive ministry. We'll see you again.
This week at the Prism Conference is going to be amazing. 